0: Welcome to the Settlement Podcast with me, Sam Wilkin. Um, So this one takes us back in time a little bit, a matter of weeks, but things seem to change quite quickly whilst not changing at all at the moment. Um, I'd originally hoped to get this one out shortly after recording, but actually um, got overexcited and recorded about five in a week, which was brilliant. Lots of interesting conversations, but it meant that I had a bit of a backlog Um, So I'm delighted to finally bring you my conversation that I had with James and Susanna Forbes, uh, who own and run Little Pomona Orchard and Cidery in Herefordshire. Um, Those of you that know me will know that my other passion is cider. Um, I know a fraction about cider, what I know about cheese, um, because I know very little about cider, not because I know a huge amount about cheese. But uh, I'm always fascinated to speak to the people who make it. Um, They remind me of cheesemakers in many ways. They're passionate. Uh, knowledgeable, hugely engaged in their craft, uh, and and you know not a little mad, which I enjoy. Um, so the, one of the major things that's changed sh- since we had this conversation is that their tap room and cidery is now open. Um, open in terms of uh, you can cl- you can collect cider from there, or you can order through their website online. I'll put a link uh, in the in the text that accompanies this this podcast. There's also mention of a map cider buzz, Manchester, um, Dick Withercomb has put together a brilliant map of all the different places that you can buy cider from. I'll include a link to that as well. Um, so James was originally uh, in, the, in the wine trade, um, you know, working as a buyer and a marketer for such as Obbins, for example. So you know, sort of top of the tree kind of places, saw the fruit in Herefordshire and thought, you know what, I want to make something in an entirely natural way, so it's all natural fermentation, it's real kind of like expression of the terroir. Susanna uh, is a a really prominent journalist and writer specifically about cider and and, and beverages. Uh, She uh, has actually uh, released a really brilliant book um, that you should get hold of uh, uh, called The Cider in Cider, which I really like. Her Twitter handle is at DrinkBritain um, and she's a judge for uh, Imbibe and various other things. So, yeah, these people know their stuff. So I was really lucky to get them and speak to them. Uh, yeah, so that's me waffling on. But now, listen, here we go. Here is Little Pomona. Um, OK, yeah, I think kind of, uh, as good as we can be, I think.
1: you know. In many, in many ways, we're lucky to be... Living where we are, so you know we can still get outside and do stuff. and It's quite easy to socially distance if you're in a field of trees, pruning or something. So,
0: I'm assuming that you guys have been, you know, pretty hard hit as well by by what's going on just now.
2: Yes, we have. I mean, yeah, I think so. The key, the thing, the key thing, obviously, is health-wise, we're fine. So that's that's the key thing, and obviously, following all the social distancing. Um, but you're absolutely right, and maybe we're like many other artisan makers in that we're sort of growing, and this is obviously complete rubbish for anyone who's who's trying to grow because what's happened is the market and what you were trying to build for the rest of your growth is just not there, so we're just having to be really having to really rethink the complete business plan um, and just find new ways of reaching out and I've been seeing that some of the cheese makers are doing some of that as well and I I was thinking you know big high five to them for that.
0: Yeah I mean there's been a lot of uh, Jason Hines from Nils Yard Dairy um, he says there's a lot of pivoting going on so you know People who were selling 80% to trade, to wholesale, are now... That's gone. And now they've had to, almost overnight, become a kind of, you know, direct-to-customer, mail-order, you know, yes. which is causing a lot of headaches, as you can imagine. I mean, even down to, like, you know, where where do you source packaging from when you're used to selling a whole Kirkham's Lancashire? Who, who cuts up all the cheese? I mean, I guess... Your your usual route to to trade is through uh, fine cider company primarily, is it? We
1: have some other distributors as well. Yeah, it's mainly it's mainly Felix, so and he's pivoted his business pretty mm. quickly, and I think quite successfully, really. Um, but he wasn't he was our main supply route in the UK, but he wasn't our only kind of route to market. So we we obviously were selling locally and through another couple of distributors who have both stopped essentially i think grant's yeah. doing a little bit uh, here and there um and exports have obviously been hit as well so we were exporting to japan sweden and belgium so uh, and i can't see us getting any orders from them for a while until
0: well until there's some sort of idea of what it's going to look like i suppose i think yeah. you know we're, 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 certainly in my industry that's what we're kind of starting to struggle with now, the initial kind of absolute terror has, has perhaps become the new normal, if you like, and, and, and we're sort of trying to work out what's going to happen next. But so to go back, I guess, you know, uh, people seem to be using Friday the 13th of, of, of March as the kind of the point where everything really kicked off in terms of, you know, the advice went out to restaurants, yeah, to to the public, you know, don't go to restaurants. And so the hospitality trade basically died overnight. What, where were you what What was your sort of uh, uh, immediate reaction because you've invested quite a lot quite recently in the business i mean what what was your initial kind of reaction to all of that
1: It was obviously not it wasn't good i mean we were, it's, it, it was very troubling and it's, and it's the uncertainty of it all that's that's the main thing but we um we had already begun uh, the process of getting our premises licensed so that we could do uh, direct consumer sales and we were thinking that that was going to be through our tasting room uh, which is nearly com- well, was nearly complete um and we were we scheduled to open that on the 7th of may so it's clearly not going to happen now but um but then we speeded up the process of um of um getting our online facility going and we'll, we'll probably go live with that this
2: week yeah towards um, the end of this week once we've done the tests so yeah, so some of the same things that you've been saying, you know, working out how yeah. to, 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 to do that, and also yeah. working out other ways we can probably, we will be able to do click and collect. Um, but you're right, that, the Friday the 13th, that's when we mm. really realized, and the double whammy was that obviously, a large part of our business model was the opening to the public as well. So not only do we have this lovely natural cider, we also wanted to be able to invite people in. So the website will obviously not be able to do that, but on the other hand, we're going to take advantage of being able to hopefully be a little source for others to find out, yes, it will sell, Um, hopefully our our ciders and and maybe a little bit of merchandise but also hopefully give others a, a way in to to find out a bit more even if it's just links to other people you know like yourself other friends other artisans so it is a different vista
0: yeah for sure and I think so I suppose if I'm taking it as a looking at it purely as a consumer of you know these these there are suddenly access to a lot of different things that maybe people wouldn't necessarily be accessing you know so people are obviously we see lots of pictures of the supermarkets you know sort of the empty shelves and all of that kind of stuff but actually the access to to shop for high quality artisan artisanal products has suddenly gone through the roof i mean you know you can have you know, fantastic, unhomogenized, whole milk, uh, you know, a loaf of sourdough. And, you know, these are all luxuries. But frankly, no one's paying any money on travel. No one's going out to eat. No one's, you know, going to the pub. So they're going, well, let's spend some money on, on discovering a new world of of, of of options, if you like. And I suppose, I don't know, I I'm, I'm suppose I'm quite hopeful that that market will still be there on the other side yeah. of this. I mean, how much are you building for now or are you building for now with a view to, well, maybe this will be a useful revenue stream X x weeks, months down the line?
1: I mean, I think we were always building, I mean, to to a model where direct sales to consumers through our tasting room and possibly online through a, mainly through a side of club, which we we're going to launch as well. That was always on the cards. It, this crisis has just made us speed it up a bit to real necessity. I think we, our plan was to open the tasting room and then follow with the website. There was no kind of, there was no urgency about that. There was a bit of, you know, we wanted to do it, but we weren't, you know, we weren't um beating ourselves with a stick to get it done. If you see what I mean, because we had, up until, you know, March, we had, um, we had not enough cider to supply demand. If you see what I mean, so we weren't. we were kind of quite measured in what we were doing so Uh, so this has changed things um we're lucky as you said at the beginning that we our stuff isn't really perishable and actually a lot of it is made for the long term anyway um but we do need to start thinking ahead to the next harvest and how much cider we're actually going to try and make given that we're not selling as much cider as we anticipated now so that's the next headache we have to decide and also, how are we going to pick all the fruit if no one can come and help us do it? I think we we had a plan. Our, our production plan for this year was to basically double production, or just slightly more than double production from last year. And you know, there's certainly um, enough fruit, good quality fruit, kicking around that we were going to be able to do that. But if we don't sell um, enough, if we don't free up enough space, tank space, then we won't actually physically be able to do that. Mm. So one mm. thing
2: that so, a lot of us small cider producers are doing is more bottling. So, and I'm sure there'll be equivalent in the in in the, in the cheese world. So strange mm. enough, it could be a bottleneck on bottles, actually, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. If you think about the vast majority of a lot of ciders that were going into the entree and they'd have been going in, in a lot of them went in in bag and box or in in keg increasingly so that's probably not really well that's not happening is it so everyone's going to want to be bottling and 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 and, you know that's to the good for the point of view of the consumer choice um and we really want to encourage consumers i'm sure like you are doing in the cheese world to to help us by you know taking on board and doing a little bit of research and and ordering ciders you know for delivery james has been absolutely monitoring all the ciders to see absolutely when we should be bottling just you know you still got your natural course of events
1: the other trouble with bottling is great because that helps to maintain them in a good state but there's a bottleneck in cash flow as well you can't keep buying bottles even if they're around because they're expensive it's the most expensive way of storing something
2: is in in glass
1: bottles so, yeah. so we need to be a bit mindful of all of these things, and I don't think we've got all the answers yet. And the, the, I think the main thing is the uncertainty over it. We just don't know what's going to happen when restrictions. We don't know when restrictions are going to be eased, and how that how that will manifest itself. Will it be suddenly back to normal, or will they be much more extended?
0: You know, you're you're kind of on a on the on a ride, whether you like it or not. Obviously. We are, and
2: yeah. and this is where actually um, I was just. I was actually just yesterday writing my editorial for the next issue of full juice. And obviously that we've changed our plans for that. That's going to be online rather than the paper copy because there's no pubs we can distribute it to. But it is this, this complete turning around, but luckily what we, I mean, five, 10 years ago, we didn't have these digital possibilities. It's not Mm. going to save everything. You know, we can't, Pretend that, but on the other hand, if we can share our world, we've got a really fun thing coming up, which will be we'll be releasing Art of Darkness, to, um, twenty what is it, twenty seventeen? Yeah, but it's in three parts, and that's because when James and Blair were tasting the three barrels, they were just too exciting separately to just blend all in one. So, and there's this mixture of foxwelp amazing acid um acid rich apple a bit like Riesling and then also Ellis Bitter but so what we've got we've got three different bottlings one is 75% Boxwell, 25% Ellis Bitter one is the complete opposite and then there's a 50-50 so if we do our timing right then we can do a online virtual tasting and and give people enough time and they can taste with us so it's a It's a bit of an ask, you know, they'd have to buy three bottles, et cetera, et cetera. But it's it's it could be a good experience.
0: But I think I think that's what this is opening people's eyes to. I mean, I'm involved uh, in the sort of early May bank holiday with something called the Big Cheese Weekender, which is a series of just online. It's an online cheese festival, but it'll be a load of different tastings. And I'm even hosting a farm tour remotely. Uh, You know, it's exactly the same thing. It's it's. It, it, it's getting to people in a much more easy way. Like, you know, you, you're out, you're out in Herefordshire. For me, that's not a, you know, not, a, well, it's, it's not a day trip because I'd like to have a couple of glasses of cider when I get there, you know. Um, so, but I can experience that in my front room in East London. I think something else I'm kind of starting to get my head around and I think is, is really interesting is what is this idea, you know, what is local? You know, this idea that we should shop local and support local, but actually I can support local, but that locality happens to be in a different geographical locality. So, you know, I'm supporting you. I'm supporting maybe down the line, the people who come and pick for you, you know, the people who work in your tap room, which will be there because your business has been supported through this. So I think this idea of what local is, is kind of changing because the internet's finally being used for what it was sort of designed for in the first place, which is, you know bringing people together and giving them access to people like yourselves and I think it's I think that's a real positive that I hope we see more of down the line
1: I hope it's sustained as well because it has been a bit of a revelation
2: it has and I think it is interesting I was thinking yesterday actually if you think what a web is is a web is a little bit sticky so actually what we're doing is if these, you know, new concepts, they do stick. And because there's this web around, there's this ability that it that it can. We can make those mm. networks. So the challenge for me now is kind of actually keeping in touch with there's so many things going on. I think we're at the early stages of a bit of a bust. So I need to find out how to
0: <laughs> yeah. tune in. Well, Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like anything, you, you you know, it's a kind of a, it's that burst of activity, that kind of adrenalised response. And then I think we'll all sort of hit our rhythm a bit, um, yeah. you know, for the middle miles. Um, we've got to keep going through to the end. Um, I also wanted to touch on, uh, James, you, you, you were almost n- not here. Is that right? You were almost abroad. What happened there?
1: Friday. On Friday the 13th, I was on a plane to Japan. So... <laughs> so i've kind of missed the the you know and when i got to japan everything there was more or less completely normal
0: okay
2: they were weeks so it, behind so
1: yeah they're, they're, i think they're still um it hasn't really hit, Not hit the there it's the same as it has here so it was very uh, it was very odd actually being there and then reading the news reports from the uk because it was kind of hard to um um to to understand what was going on in the UK without being uh, very odd because we we, um we exported a little bit to Japan before um and then actually we were lucky that a quite a large order went out to them at the end of January um so and that it was a trip to support that okay Um, which is really interesting but I I did I did kind of get a bit stuck
2: quite interesting wasn't it James because although in Japan things hadn't hit like here Um, There was still the thing that there was no, you were over there to kind of uh, share the ciders at this major British fair, which was in a really top department store, you know, a bit like Selfridges or whatever like that. Um, So already the word had gone out. So there's no tasting allowed. um, And you, you know, mainly people had masks, of course, but they still came out to see you and they were still very pleased with the sales. So there was this nice appreciation um, of, of cider and the fact that James had gone there and was there to kind of share it. So that was actually really encouraging, wasn't it? It was great.
1: Yeah, I mean, the people were amazed that I travelled.
2: <laughs> it's like there's supposed to be a lot of British
1: um, people there, but almost everyone else had cancelled. I think mean, it was mm-hmm. like four of them in the end. Um, but the, the Japanese are really appreciative. The UK business hasn't completely closed down because Felix mm-hmm. is still trading, and there's a lot of bottle shops who are still doing um, online or takeaway sales, and mm-hmm. they're still, and some of them aren't, but some of them seem to be doing pretty good and are still ordering cider, yes, mainly through Felix or or Grant at restock cider in Scotland, mm-hmm. which is great. And I think actually, are luckily maybe, and but also partly by design our our ability to produce small batches of stuff is actually plays into that narrative now because to keep that momentum going with with these with, the, with these sort of sales new things are what's going to bring customers back to try more
0: well and these kind of these online tastings that you're talking about and you know releasing our darkness in, in sort of three three you know for for the collectors out there which there are plenty i mean i certainly think your sort of your sort of area of of, of your industry is is populated by you know serious enthusiasts who who you know will want that will kind of want that point of difference each time and and will relish it so i think that's exciting that you can do that really and be quite kind of uh, light on your feet if you like it's the
1: way we design the business but because we're in control of everything from the fruit to the bottling we can we can adapt really quickly so we've got a whole string of new releases ready to come out when we get the labels done so there's, there's at least seven eight new things coming out uh, apart from Art of darkness so.
2: and if you're if you're interested in the wider picture of the cider sort of the artisan cider yeah, produced, for sure. um, th- um, i have to say there's this brilliant map and list of um, producers, mm. suppliers, and distributors that are selling online, uh, that Dick Withercombe in Manchester has put together, and this is just peerless. I think this is absolutely critical for the survival of the small um, cider maker. Um, and people can find that either on the Cider Buzz Manchester website. There's over a hundred places, and it's on a map, so you can work out where you want to you know, whether you want to um, help out a a producer local to you um, by, you know, getting either online or direct delivery Mm. or whether you want to try Felix um, or whether Scrattings. So, and it's also hosted and been put together by um, Camera as part of the Pulling Together campaign. So we have been lucky in that Camera has really embraced the fact that Artisan and craft cider deserves the same sort of assistance and support that good beer um, does. So I think that's going to be a, a lifeline to many.
1: The interesting thing in this kind of change in dynamic is where does a producer price his or her? goods in relation to everyone else in the market because obviously we could as a as a cider producer we could undercut everyone in the market if we wanted to. We need to think very hard about on our online shop how we stuff at the farm gate isn't visible. So people coming into your store and seeing a bottle of cider at ten pounds, that's that's not visible. As soon as you go online, your pricing is visible anywhere in the world. So we need to be quite sensitive about how we do that. I don't think we would quite Thought that through, hundred percent. Need to do that this week, I think. But yeah, because you're just trying to trying to um, balance getting some sales in without um, irritating, um, perhaps losing customers.
0: Well, and 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 you know, in a sense, you know, supporting those those middlemen by by not undercutting them and removing sales and removing their their revenue flow, you know, and because if you you want them to be there after all this, you want you know Felix yeah. to still be taking your side when all this is over. Not even on a you know, I know that your industry, I think, is very similar to my industry, and in that generally speaking, it's a very collaborative, supportive group of people. Um, you know, so it's not just on a personal level, but just on a business level. You know, to, to, for the ease of sending X number of cases to Felix a month, it's uh, much better.
2: As the one nominally with the finance director hat on, I know where. <laughs> I know that I, I would like. margin that we thought would be there, to be there, to Mm. make the sums work. So uh, I think that just illustrates the sort of discussions that I'm sure, you know, are happening all around. I think there is, there will be a little flurry of cider makers who have applied for premises license purely so that they can, you know, sell direct. So this changing of how we reach out is is is, is an interesting one, and uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's,
1: it's fascinating. I, I, definitely, although it's a bit alarming, I think there's definitely an opportunity.
0: So that was Little Pomona, James and Susanna. There, hopeful about the future, hopeful about the opportunities that may come. I think those of you that have been listening to these podcasts recently. We'll see that although we've stepped out of the familiar sector of cheese, a lot of the conversation is familiar. Um, you know, it's the initial fear and terror uh, leading to adrenalised pivoting and then seeing the opportunities and, and perhaps, you know, the opportunities for broader, greater trade in the after. So hope, hope all round. Anyway, see you next time on The Seliman Podcast. The Seliman Podcast is produced by me, Sam Wilkin. If you want to know more about Seliman, go to Seliman Sam on Instagram and Twitter or check out the website